Welcome to This Week in Local, a Locology podcast featuring lively conversations about the local digital ecosystem, hosted by Locology analysts Mike Bolin and Charles Lachlan. Hello, everyone. I'm Charles Lachlan, Senior Analyst at Locology, and this is This Week in Local. Mike, Mike Bolin, my co-host, is joining me. Mike, how are you doing today? Hi, Charlie. Doing well. Great. Mike, tell us what you're working on. Sure. So um, we have been for a while looking at this sort of ongoing developing work from TikTok, um, particularly how it's sort of gearing its products towards SMB marketing. It clearly sees sort of a long tail opportunity there to tap into some SMBs that are getting into TikTok as a marketing vehicle. We've seen this for years in sort of social media marketing, but TikTok has some sort of unique attributes, which I'll get into in a minute. So the latest development along these lines is that TikTok has added another sort of production tool to make it easier for SMBs to make, you know, professional uh, looking and sounding uh, TikToks, especially the sounding part. So it's new sounds for business is what it's calling it. It's a sort of library of audio files that are basically available for SMBs to, you know, ease that process of of content creation. Um, And that's important because sound is important on TikTok. Um, It's sort of developed in the standards and the culture of TikTok that that sound is important. So um, essentially what that means is it's sort of a collection of custom sounds um, that's designed to be easy for anyone to sort of grab uh, and just sort of um, use that to be the soundtrack of their various TikToks. Um, so so that includes a few things, actually. It's not just, I keep saying sound, so let me qualify that a bit more. Um, we're talking about sort of, uh, it's a mix of music. So like you could have a score or a background track and then also voiceover um, and then directional sound cues, just sort of sound effects that, that you know, just sort of uh, signify just various sort of- Like visual. crashing cars, that sort of thing? <laughs> yeah, or? just, you know, things like that, exactly. Okay. Um, but the voiceover part is interesting. So for SMBs that are, you know, don't like the sound of their own voice and or they they just aren't good at like, you know, producing an audio track, there's actually a voiceover where you can just sort of type in what you want it to say. Um, and, and you've probably heard a lot of those voiceovers, just the overall technology, the the speech to text, or I guess it's text to speech technology is getting better and better. So that just sort of um, integrates and, and it's another option. Now, the point of all of this, just sort of stepping back, um, is to really just lower the friction. I mean, that's the name of the game in SMB SaaS and SMB marketing, which you and I have been, you know, have learned for the last 20 years. And everyone always says that, but it's always like, you know, easier said than done. Uh, So that's really what it's trying to do here. It's it's making the production tools easier within reach of SMBs when they're creating their TikToks, making it easy for them to do that. But also another angle along the same lines, but a little bit different, not just the production, but the licensing. So these sounds and songs and voiceovers and all these things are sort of pre-approved. Um, TikTok actually partnered with um, a subsidiary of, of Universal Production Music, which is called um, Elias Audio Branding. So it's a pre-approved, pre-licensed library of sounds. So SMBs don't have to worry about the licensing or anything like that. They just plug it right in. So I think it's an interesting sort of development. Again, the main theme here is just lowering barriers um, along sort of or pursuant to TikTok's broader goal that I mentioned is to continue to tap into that long tail of SMBs for to, to get them to use it as as a marketing vehicle, um, and it's also worth noting, shameless plug, that 
as I mentioned, we've been you know covering this for a while, and and part of that isn't just like podcast topics and articles, but um, at each locology conference for the last two or three conferences, we've had TikTok there and a panel of real life SMBs that are using it. Um, so we're going to actually be doing that again um, in April at uh, L23. And this is certainly one of the questions we're going to ask them if they're making use of this you know, cool new uh, audio tool. Um, so that's what we're looking at. Cool, cool. So this is interesting because I, you and I both, we are, are, have done our share of video editing and content. Can I just say one of my least favorite terms ever, you know, phrases that make my skin crawl, part one, content creator. It's right up there you right. know, with sister wife and a thousand other, you know, phrases that just make you kind of shiver a little bit. Yep. That said, we are both content creators, for yep. lack of a better, actually, there are a zillion better terms. We've done our share of video editing. One of the things that I've always found to be one of the bigger pains in the rear in that process is bringing in yeah. sound, sound mainly sound, you know, B-roll sound, yep. because you got to go to a platform, you got to bring it in, you got to know, you know, is this, you know, what, what are the terms, you know, usually it's a, if you subscribe to a service, you kind of just take all their stuff, you know, mm -hmm. but then, you know, if you want to get uh, some music to brand your, your podcast music, you got to do that. It's just a pain, you know, and it, and it could be expensive. So TikTok, it seems like they've really, I mean, you talk about reducing friction. This feels like not a small re reduction of friction, but a fairly significant reduction of friction. So I don't know what we'll see come out of this in terms of volume of creators or the quality of the stuff they create, or if you have, if TikTok has given any hints as to what they expect the outcome of this to be yeah, or what they're trying it to be. Yeah, you I know? think... Um... The key word is native. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Having to sort of like bring in audio from somewhere else, make sure that the the video and audio tracks align, make sure the timing is right. This is just native. So it, it really just integrates really well in as part yeah. of that existing workflow within TikTok. And I think it's interesting too, one of the success factors that we have observed on TikTok for SMBs that do it right, you know, a few will try to sort of cut corners and just sort of port over their other assets, like a 30 second video mm -hmm. ad or TV or ad or YouTube content. You know, it has to be sort of native to TikTok because it TikTok has a certain language. And, and that language is like, it's raw, it's unscripted, it's genuine. Like the things in, in the SMB world that tend to work well are like, you know, delivery ride alongs or a kitchen walkthrough or things that are just like, even have like a hint of sort of self-deprecation or sarcastic. And that's where some of those sound effects come in. You know, you you mentioned like car crashes. There can be like a wah-wah or just those types. Yeah, of you things. can imagine, you know, yeah, a just thousand ways. More yeah. sarcastic, self-deprecating, right. humorous. It's it's just sort of it goes along with the language of TikTok. Right. No, well, I remember you mentioned, you know, what we're going to be doing at the conference. And I remember that session. I guess it was last year or the year before. They all, We've done a few. Yep. Yeah. Where the young, the young woman on there who was a tick, TikTok creator, but she was the real deal, you know, TikTok creator. And uh, she was doing it for a, a small brand. And I forget, there was a couple of them on there, both creators, and they were both really good. Yeah. And one of them said, don't make ads or don't make videos. Yeah. Make TikToks. It is its own thing. Yep. You know, there you go. and I, I do, th I, you know, I, I'll admit I've sort of gotten into TikTok, not as a creator, but as a consumer. And 
there it's it's a mixed bag between like clips from concerts you know that i could have gone to 40 years ago to uh or you know clip some stand-up acts that were clearly repurposed content and that can work just fine you know but i think it's often a function of how well known the person is that you're consuming that from you know if it's a famous comic you don't care if it was taken from his netflix special you just it made you laugh that's all you care about yeah now if it's a native creator um i think you would notice and probably not be drawn in if you felt it was created for facebook and squeezed into tiktok you know exactly so i think i think there's a huge difference there so i think an smb creator um has to create content unique for tiktok in order for it to gain any traction yeah i think that's a consensus universal consensus the advice i always hear uh when i talk to tiktok itself or the smb creators that are exhibiting best practices is i I guess i already use this term but learn the language right the culture of tiktok by becoming a consumer of it don't just jump into it because i'm checking a box this is the latest thing in my marketing mix be a consumer of tiktok to sort of learn that language um, right. Or, you know, talk to your, you know, millennial nephew or whomever. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It has its own language. It has its own vibe. It has its own cadence. And you have to, you know, and its own energy. And that's going to vary from creator to creator, of course. But you have to be living within the structure of it. And it's an intuitive understanding. I don't, I don't know that there's a, I'm sure there are people who have created a lot of content telling you step by step how to create effective TikToks. I haven't read any of that. Yeah. Because I don't create for TikTok, at least not at this point, maybe, maybe in the future. Um, but but I think you have to intuitively understand. Yeah. And in that the- spirit, um, I actually am committing to one thing. I'll tease it here on the podcast. But as I was mm-hmm. like looking at at a bunch of TikToks and really getting into this topic, I realized we should be showing rather than telling. So I'm about to launch a Weekly or semi-weekly series um, on Locology Insider. Um, we, we'll uh, we'll figure out the frequency later, but it's something along the lines of, you know, this week's top SMB TikToks because there are that's so a, that's many. That's awesome! Out there. I, I, yeah, that's super awesome. There yeah. are so many out there, and I think it'll be a fun Friday post to just sort of get the best ones, yeah. a few each week, um, and just embed the video and and just show people what what are these sort of success factors and why is it good? Yeah, yeah. why is it good? Why? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, Mike, I think that might be a good moment to take a quick pause for a little break, and we'll be back in a moment. Hi, everyone. It's Mike Bolin, Senior Analyst at Locology, here to tell you about L23. It's our annual flagship event held this year in sunny San Diego, Coronado Bay to be exact, and it's all about charting the course of local commerce and tackling all of the factors and topics that continue to impact the business of local media, advertising, and commerce. So we've got a solid speaker lineup already, and we'd love to see you in Coronado Bay April 17th through 19th, and you can find out more at Locology.com. Now back to our episode. Okay, we're back. So we're going to change gears a little bit here, Mike. Um, Decentralized social media. So I thought we'd spend a couple minutes on that today. And I had written a post, I guess it's been a couple weeks now, maybe not quite that long. And I was just listening to something and somebody talked about Noster. And I was like, what on earth is Noster? And I think if you Google it, Google will say, I'm sorry, do you mean Nostril? (laughs) <laughs> like, you know, nostrils. I'm like, no, I really mean Noster. And so what is that all about? So that fits within this broader topic of decentralized social media, which I'm not claiming 
any degree of expertise in, nor am I claiming it has set the world on fire. But it is something that's out there that some prominent people are starting to, you know, put their their voices behind. The basic idea of decentralized social media is, you know, when you say decentralized, most people who have, are familiar with that term start thinking crypto, blockchain, etc. And this definitely has that angle to it. But it's also, it's not necessarily a blockchain thing. For example, uh, what it, well, what it really is, it's about having a social network that has no central authority. So there's no Mark Zuckerberg, there's no Elon Musk, there's no whoever's in charge of whatever other social media, uh, Spiel, uh, Snap guy. Evan, Evan Spiegel? Spielberg. Spiegel, yeah. And um, there's no, none of those people. It's it's a de it's built on a decentralized protocol of some sort. So the one of the most commonly uh, known, I guess, uh, none of these are necessarily that well known, but certainly the best known would be Mastodon, yeah. which kind of became sort of famous, not from people studying prehistoric uh, elephant-like animals buried deep in the ground, but uh, from kind of the transition from Twitter from its previous public ownership to being owned by Elon Musk and some of the backlash from people who were aghast that someone like Elon Musk could own a social network. So I'm going to find somewhere else to go. And for about three, 35 seconds, people went to Mastodon, which has actually been around a while. And it's actually a decentralized social network built on a series of servers. So it's not on the blockchain. It's run by a nonprofit and each server is sort of an interest group uh, unto itself, whether it's music or technology or whatever. So Mastodon has about two and a half million users or did like late last year. And I think it's declined since. So it has a very mind, relatively small user base. When you think about it, the context of what we think of as sort of conventional social media, Facebook, Insta, Twitter, et cetera, you know, that's half the world is billions, you know, when you add them all together, even dedupe it, which most people are on several of these things. So half the world is on sort of conventional social media and, you know, eight or nine people with, um, you know, hacker side hustles <laughs> on decentralized social media. And the, the thing Noster is the one that's kind of the hot topic now, if there is one in this world of sort of web three slash decentralized social that is sort of built on the blockchain. So Noster is not a social network so much as a decentralized, it's a decentralized protocol upon which uh, apps are being built that are decentralized social networks. And if you can go in the app store, uh, Damus, I think, is one of them. There's, they have a bunch of weird sort of slight cryptic names and uh, very small user bases. I don't know what the numbers behind them. But the basic idea is it's on the blockchain. There's no central authority. There's no censorship. There's no moderation. Uh, it's just you can you kind of be your own thing, uh, create your own community. And, you know, and, and it's all you know, stored on the blockchain. And again, no one's in charge. And some people who kind of, you know, run in these sort of circles, let's decentralize the world, et cetera, are, are getting behind this. One of them is Edward Snowden, who's tweeted quite a bit about, or at least there's one sort of widely circulated tweet he made about Noster. And it's like the way of the future where no censors, no, nobody can be thrown off for whatever reason people get thrown off, good, bad, and in between of sort of conventional social networks. And then um, Jack Dorsey, formerly the founder of Twitter, left Twitter, uh, actually donated 14 Bitcoins 
<laughs> which was worth about a quarter million dollars at the time to a guy named uh, Fiat Jet, Jaff, excuse me, Fiat Jaff, who is the quote unquote founder of Nostr. Again, this decentralized protocol that uh, is a platform to build decentralized social media apps and uh, put those 14 Bitcoin in there. It's that quarter million at the time, I think it was sometime a couple of years ago, um, would be worth, I, I guess, about $300,000 now or something like that. So it's it was not a ma massive investment, but Fiat Jaff, I don't know what he's done with the Bitcoin, if he just held them, hodled them, or if he uh, uh, invested the money in development. I don't know who Fiat Jaff is. Um, the handle has a crypto sort of tinge to it, you know, Crypto people hate fiat currency, and so fiat chat probably related to that in some way. I, you know, I think previously joked about uh, Satoshi Nakamura was already taken. So, so uh, anyway, that's so I don't know where these things are going. I think we'll probably see more apps built on this protocol. Probably see more adoption, whether it catches fire. You know, I think part of it presumes that there's this hunger out there for you know, truly decentralized social experiences where no one can tell you, oh, you can't say that, or you can't attack that person, or you can't, you know, promote that product or whatever it is that people fear that, you know, the quote unquote censorship of social media, it's an escape from that supposedly. And I think the, I think it's a combination of sort of the, the web three bro community and the anti-censorship community, uh, the, you know, sort of the diehards among those kind of flocking to these things. How big is that? Will it evolve past that? Um, you know, I think when we were chatting about this another time, I said, uh, I think the exclusivity and sort of narrow community nature of this is a feature, not a bug to people in these communities. So, you know, I, in my experience, when you get things like this, there's always those people who want to keep things small. You know, the people that want to keep Austin weird, you know, Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so I, I don't know if this is sort of built for scale or if it's built just to be a small community of disgruntled people. Yeah, I don't know. it's definitely not built for scale inherently. Um, uh -huh. Decentralization is the antithesis of network effect. Um, right. But but backing up, I, I see this as like, I don't know, a lot of these like decentralization efforts and the fervor behind the Web3 movement. There are a lot of virtues to it, but a lot of it is just like eye roll inducing. I, I A lot of it is just sort of like an overcorrect overcorrection to web two, right? We had web yeah. one, which was like AOL and server to server. And then web two is all Walled about- Walled gardens, yeah. Yeah, web two is all about aggregated audiences, uh, monetized mm -hmm. through ads and a lot of social, a lot of, um, you know, um, user voices heard, um, you know, monetizing not just content, but a lot of just like the, the endless trite status updates of everyone's day, but ad supported and centralized. And, and now that we have Web3, again, there's a lot of virtues to decentralization, but I think a lot of it also is also sort of throwing the baby out with the bathwater in this overcorrection to, to the sins of Web2. Um, and I think one of those is, is ad support. Um, I think another one is control um, and moderation. Um, but I think that you mentioned a lot of the things driving this are, are the need to get away from control and moderation so you can say whatever the heck you want. Now, free speech absolutists sometimes just are are quite 
annoying in just how utopian and unrealistic they tend to be because you always get the law of unintended consequences. I always look back to sort of allegories like Animal Farm, which was meant to be sort of, you know, an allegory against, you know, communism, where you have these sort of uh, social and political upheavals. Uh, but then the like revolutionaries, they were born to be revolutionaries, not necessarily leaders and rulers, because then the thing they end up ruling just goes to shit. Um, and and it ends up becoming the evils that they were originally going right. against. You know, it's it's a it's a common you know tale as old as time. But I see mm -hmm. that here with the unintended consequences of like no moderation. I mean, really, you know, you you're gonna get to a point where you're gonna be like, well, except for that, I don't like that or that, right. and then you you whiteboard it, and then it just you end up back in this like place of moderation. So right. I don't know. I mean, that's. That's maybe a bit of a departure, but those are some of the things that I think that a lot of these movements are going to sort of run into when you sort of yeah. peel away the excitement and the utopianism of it all. Um, I think that's the brick wall that a lot of these efforts are going to hit. Besides the fact that it's it's just like I said, how I started, it's not built for scale. There's no network effect when you fragment all of these different sort of networks. Um, one of the things about safe Facebook that everyone loves is like three quarters of the world's population is on there. It's aggregated everyone. It's easy. You know, you can go on and find your high school buddy on there. Um, yeah. Stuff like that. And then from a monetization perspective also. And again, that's the Web 2.0 monetization model where it's all about scale and advertising. Mm -hmm. But what is going to be the monetization of these sort of smaller networks? Is it going to be peer to peer transactions? Is it, you know, who, who knows? Well, I think Bitcoin transactions are already embedded in Noster. So yeah. I think it's it's going to be a micro. It's I think there's a Web3 sort of using those micro payments off of yeah. cryptocurrency as a way to do sort of peer to peer payments of some sort. I there's some I, I don't think there's a, a thinking around, OK, I, you know, what's our business model to who's going to pay for those server costs and how are they going to pay for yeah. it? Yeah, it's like sorry to sound like the curmudgeon here but that's yeah no no and no, I, I think there's an ethos of like when you're the fan of a band when they get started as soon as they're playing arenas you hate them yeah you know and uh and i think you know as soon as any of these things take off their original supporters will or be become, like a fan of yeah or become yeah. self-sustaining yeah. <laughs> then, yeah. then, the, yeah. then then everyone's gonna bail yeah, I can go find some other yeah, barely off the ground decentralized. Right. I mean, I think we're being a little hard on people who are flocked to these things because I think some people are techno utopians and others are just yeah, curmudgeons, you know. And um, and and everything I say yeah. is in the spirit of devil's mm -hmm. advocate. And I know I'm sounding fired yeah. up, but I actually am supportive of a lot of the virtues of the Web three movement. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the sort of um, tenets around decentralization. I just think it has to be conceived a little bit more realistically. Yeah. And is so our social networks going to be, the, you know, the lead yeah. um, application of Web3 or are they going to be way in the back? Well, the lead application yeah. is already the metaverse. Uh, the, meta, yeah. the lead application is already out of the gate, which is currency. Oh, right, right, right. Mm -hmm. But currency within like unique environments like yeah. within gaming mm -hmm. and yeah 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 okay all right well you know i just wanted i thought it was fun to bring this into insider uh, as a topic of coverage i don't know how much we're going to talk about decentralized social networks in the future it kind of depends how well nostril does and uh 
and all the apps being built on it. If some of them start to take off, we'll certainly take, I mean, we do take it seriously. Uh, it's something that's out there. It has a following. We have our doubts, obviously, from what we've just talked about, but I think it's good to kind of bring these into the, into the show every now and again. Anyway, Mike, I think that we can just end it there. Um, why don't you uh, read us out? Yeah, sure, Charlie. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been This Week in Local. This episode was brought to you by L23, Locology's flagship event taking place this year in San Diego, April 17th through 19th. And you can find out more at locology.com. And stay tuned every week for more episodes of This Week in Local. You can find the show on all major podcast networks. Please subscribe, like, and comment. So I'm Mike Boland with Charles Lachlan. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Locology's This Week in Local with Mike Boland and Charles Lachlan. Be sure to subscribe for more.